from the Sunshine State, this is Tampa Bay's 10 Talk. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727 727- 501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. My name's Gideon McCluskey. You know why I'm here, don't you? I said you know why I'm here, don't you? Bird Reynolds is Gator McCluskey. He's a booze running, motor gunning, law breaking, love making rebel. He hits the screen like a bolt of white lightning. Whether he's racing the law. Chasing the ladies. I don't believe in fooling around, man. You want to just say so. <laughs> Gator's the fastest thing alive. Ooh, now I know why they call you Gator. Only two things in the world I'm scared of. What's that? Women and the police. He's got a score to settle with the Bogan County Sheriff. But no sheriff is gonna kill any brother of mine. Man, you better come with us then, huh? Damn tough cookie. He run Bogan County. I'm gonna get mean, Harvey. I'm gonna get that sheriff, man. You'll have to kill him. And he means to do it one way. Or another. All units, got a man heading after Jackson Road. Cut him out. Reynolds is white lightning. He never strikes twice, because once is enough. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it, I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hi, everybody. It's Derek Bell, the five-time Le Mans winner, three-time Daytona 24-hour winner, two-time world sports car champion. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computer and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our 500 and some odd shows, be sure and check out our website, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? 
much? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. we got an exciting show for you tonight. We have not one, but we have two very special guests this evening. And uh, I think we have one guest on the line right now. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the uh, owner of Palm Beach Classics. They have some amazing classic cars in the restoration facility down there. And the founder of the Palm Beach Concourse. I'm delighted to welcome Sydney Valen. Sydney, how are you this evening? Good. How are you guys tonight? We're doing very good. Tell us a little bit about... Uh, Let's first talk about Palm Beach Classics a little bit. That's uh, you have, I was on your website here earlier, and I'm a big fan of Mercedes-Benzes, especially Pagodas, and, of course, 198 cars, which are 300 SLs. So tell us a little bit about uh, Palm Beach Classics real quick. Absolutely. Well, Palm Beach Classics is really a dream more than anything else. Uh, growing up, I remember my father collecting cars, and I never thought that one day I would just turn, you know, this dream as a child into a reality. So uh, because we collected a little bit of everything, including Mercedes-Benz, you know, roughly about a little bit close to 15 years ago, I made that dream come true and focusing strictly on classic Mercedes-Benz from 1940 and on. So we're talking about the 170s, we're talking about the 300, uh, the SLs, the Goldwings, the Roasters, like you just mentioned earlier, the Pagoda, uh, a little bit of everything, the 190 SL, it's a big hit. Uh, We do a lot of restoration because everything we keep in-house for the restoration work so this is really a, a, a dream. You come to work, you love what you do, and uh, and uh, this is really amazing. So definitely, yeah. So you're from where? France originally? Yes, originally from the south of France. I'm from Cannes, the French Riviera. Oh, Cannes, yeah. The uh, movie capital or movie premiere capital of the world, I guess you would say. The Cannes Film Festival and everything going on down there. Right. So yeah, how did you... Right. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you are correct. I mean, that's that, that, like you said, the film festival is definitely uh, known. Uh, Cannes is known for that. Yeah. Okay, so you got Cannes, and then you've got Marseille. They're both in the Golf de Lyon, as they say. And uh, so, they are they like sister cities, or is there, are, is Cannes different than Mar- than Marseille? And give us a little difference between the two cities. Well, I mean, they, they, they're just about, if I'm not mistaken, it's about an hour, an hour and a half uh, apart from each other. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, Marseille. I mean, there's a lot going on over there, but Cannes is, is, is a whole different lifestyle. I mean, like like you said, you know, the movie stars, you know, the people love it, the tourists. Uh, I, 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 two complete different cities. Okay. Uh, you go to Marseille for one thing, and then you go to Cannes for the other, but uh, yeah, it's uh, different. So when you were a child, when you were growing up, what kind of, uh, what was your first car? And growing up in Europe... I'm real curious. What was your first car? Because I think you've got to be, what, 18 to drive in, 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 in Europe pretty much for the most part? Yeah, i tell you what. I came here when I was 15. So oh. My first car, actually, uh, my true classic when I was young here in the United States was a dream of many. It was a 1959 Cadillac. Oh, absolutely. True Americana. Yep. Interesting, interesting. So you were so your first car was a fifty nine Cadillac. Yep, nineteen fifty nine Cadillac. It was a wood uh, wood rose metallic. It's a Cooper convertible. Actually, it was a uh, the uh, Deville. It was a four door. Oh, four door Deville. Okay. In the back. Yeah, yeah. No, at that age, I was not able to afford a convertible. I wish uh, one day. One day, still on my bucket list to uh, purchase one day a 59. Okay. Cadillac. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so tell us now a little bit about how the Palm Beach Concourse came to fruition. This is basically, what, the third year now, right, for all practical purposes? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Basically, to give you an idea, I uh, attended Palm Beach Atlantic University, and just like many, in order to be able to pay your bills and your tuition, uh, I used to valet on Worth Avenue in Palm Beach, on the island of Palm Beach. And you can imagine the amount of cars that we saw, whether it was an exotic, a supercar, or was a classic. It's really incredible. And uh, there was always, like I said, a passion growing up of being around classic cars or cars in general. And I thought that one day, if I could make that dream come true and, and, and make a big event on Worth Avenue, it would be really spectacular. Well, you know very well that uh, the uh, island of Palm Beach is very strict. And uh, in a hundred years of history, they have never done a show and allowed to partially or close the streets of Worth Avenue. 
So in 2019, uh, the, 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 the dream became true, and we actually displayed about 140 cars on Worth Avenue from the 100 block to the 300 block. So it was really spectacular. I mean, we had uh, some Ferraris that were owned by Michael Jordan on display. We had Wayne Carini as our guest of honor, as well as Derek Bell, good friend, awesome guy who supported the event. And we had Bill Gates who walked the streets up and down Worth Avenue looking at the beautiful cars and some other celebrities. And it was truly a hit. So a success, successful first annual Palm Beach Concours on Worth Avenue was truly, truly amazing and one for the book. Okay, so go ahead. So now, now this is this the second or third year? This is the second event, but the third year, or how does this work? So this is the third year. So last year, because of COVID, right? What we did was more of a private concours, Palm Beach concours, and we did it in Wellington. Okay. Uh, basically, the work of Polo, as you know it. Right. A good friend had a big estate. And he said, let's just do it here uh, at my house. I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? Let me, let, me, let me see what we can do and how we can make it work. And sure enough, uh, again, with uh, Derek Bell, uh, we brought in the 917 Porsche um, 1969, I think it was. Uh, another amazing car. We, we brought about, I think, just under 90 cars on display. We had some horses there. We had a good friend, uh, Sugar. Erskine, uh, who is a polo player who came and supported the event. Uh, we had Pagani of Miami that also came with some beautiful cars there. We had really some amazing, amazing cars. So that was really um, another uh, exciting event, a little bit more private. Obviously, we did not bring the crowd like we did on Worth Avenue with 2,500-plus people, but uh, we had an amazing event. So people can see the video at palmbeachconcord.com to see what we did. But uh, again, Derek Bell was awesome supporting the event last year. Uh, very exciting. We had some amazing cars. And uh, so that's what we did for last year because people were just sick and tired of staying home. They just wanted to take their cars out. And you know very well to put an event like this, normally a concourse takes about a year of preparation. We did the event in a month and a half. Wow, that's fantastic. Lectures. Yeah, all the friends, all the judges, and everybody was excited. Like, yeah, let's just bring our cars out. We don't want to stay home. Let's just do another event, and let's just keep the momentum going. So that's what we did. Excellent. And now this year, where does it take place? Well, this is very exciting because since I was not sure uh, where we're going to be doing the Palm Beach Concours, we wanted to set really uh, ground. And we partnered with Benyon K Resort and Golf. So it is a Jack Nicholas signature course, and it's right here in West Palm Beach. And um, it's an amazing, an amazing golf course. So now we are going to be uh, having a new home for the Palm Beach Concours at Benyon K Resort and Golf. Excellent. So how many cars are you going to have on the show field? So we have uh, so far just about 120 cars. Mm-hmm. And we have really amazing cars, and uh, I, I can share with you guys, if you would like, just a few of the cars that are going to be on display. Please, please, please. Uh, all right, so one of our good friends is going to bring a 1935 Auburn. We are going to have actually not one, but two 1929 Duesenberg Model J. Ooh, beautiful cars. We're going to have a good friend, Ed Beanie, who's going to bring his 1929 Stearns Knight. Okay. So that car, the only car that survived the fire of the 1929 Los Angeles Auto Show. If you know a little bit of the history, uh, fire in 1929 and during the auto show, and that car survived the fire. And it will be here at the Palm Beach Concourse this Sunday. Wow, that's fantastic. Are there an amazing amount of cars hidden in collections in the Palm Beach area? You have no idea. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> we can laugh because I tell you, the more I'm being involved with some friends and collectors, and they're telling me, hey, listen, we don't show our collection, but we only bring out, you know, to maybe Pebble Beach or Amelia Island Concourse de la Calle. 
one car a year. That's it. And then each year we switch out. And to some of my friends that have invited me to their private collection, it is truly a hidden gem and it's a treasure. And what an amazing thing and opportunity to see some of their cars because some of the cars are worth two, three million dollars and it's already a lot of money for a car. But when you see a collection of 10 or 15 cars and each car worth between three and 10 plus million dollars, that is incredible. So you're talking about, you know, whether it's our Duesenbergs, you're talking about some really very, very special cars, some very rare cars. So it's amazing. And some of the race cars and, and, and the collection that there is here in Palm Beach and the Bugattis, uh, last, uh, last year we actually had a 1930 Bugatti. Uh, it's one of its kind, which will be here also on Sunday on display because it won Best of Show last year. Wow. Okay, so give us an outline. How the how the, is there a Friday Saturday event as well as the concourse on Sunday? Yeah. So here's what's going on. Uh, Friday night we partnered with Nicholas Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. So we're doing champagne for a cause, and we still have some tickets available that people can purchase at palmbeachconcourse.com. Then we're going to have a French theme inspired evening with Ken Ken dancers, champagne, and passport throughout the evening. And then at the end of the night, we're going to have a surprise, and I cannot really spoil it, and I cannot share that with you guys. Okay. It's going to be really amazing. Uh, and uh, Saturday, we're doing a rally. We, we're going to start early in the morning. It's booked, unfortunately, so registration is closed. We work with the Florida Highway Patrol, and we're going to have four troopers. And we're going to start early in the morning, and then we're going to stop, you know, around 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock for lunch. So that's going to be a really amazing uh, time to meet with our collectors and friends. So we have about, I think, 35 cars registered, so this is going to be amazing. And this rally this year is going to be led by Justin Bell. Okay. It's actually Derek Bell's son. Right. It's going to be our host uh, this weekend. It's really exciting to have Justin with us. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is the main event. We're going to be uh, uh, having people coming in as early as 6.30, 7 o'clock to display their cars. We're only going to open up the gates for the general public at 10 o'clock. Tickets can still be purchased for general admission, admission online only at palmbeachconcourt.com. VIP tickets are sold out as of today. And uh, otherwise, anybody can come in for sure and uh, look at some of, the, uh, some, of, some of the cars that we have on display uh, the day of the event on Sunday. Wow, this sounds like an absolutely amazing event. I'm really looking forward to seeing the uh, selection of cars you have. I'm looking forward to meeting you, and uh, we're really looking forward to being down here this weekend. So, uh, Sydney, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Um, For people who want to find out a little bit more about it, where do they go? So, they will go to Mm palmbeachconcord.com. And if they want to contact us directly at the office, 561 568-8882. Okay. Very good. Um, do you want to share some more information, a few little stories about uh, Palm Beach Classics real quick? we got a minute or two. Sure. Well, you know, again, like I mentioned to you guys, uh, this is really a passion more than anything else. Um, so we actually are a full restoration shop. Uh-huh. Obviously specialized in merchant classics. But all clients have all the cars, so we've done T-Birds, we've done Mustangs, we've done a little bit of everything, American cars. Uh, so everything is done here. We have our showroom here on Military Trail. We are open by appointment, but our doors are always open to our collectors and uh, car enthusiasts. So they can come and see some of the cars we have. We always have some a variety of, sometimes Lamborghinis, we have some old vintage Ferraris. Um, we have the Goldwing 300SL and the Roadster right now here at our showroom, so this is very, very exciting. Uh, but we do everything here, so this is, uh, again, like I said, a passion that we share with our clients. Since we do restoration, we actually educate our clients as we go along, and um, this is something that we've been doing for almost 15 years now, a lot for clients overseas, but really, truly, for the past four or five years now, I can say that we've been focusing a lot with our clients here, not only in Florida, but throughout the United States. 
I got to ask you one question too. This is one that comes up because I do appraisals and I'm an independent dealer as well. So, from your perspective, where do you see the market within the next year or so? What do you, is the market on its way up? Is the market kind of stable? What's your thoughts, real quick? That's a great question. You know, I'll be honest with you. Over the years, a lot of people are asking me, "What do you think about the one on ESL? And what do you think about a two ESL?" If you have the right car, the price can go you know all over the place. I mean, we just had a one on ESL that uh, won. Best place, first uh, first place by Paolo Peninfarina that sold for close to three hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's unheard of. A one ninety ESL going for that kind of money is crazy. You will be able to sell the car to the right buyer when they fall in love with a vehicle. So really, this is right now it's the buyer's market. Um, if you have the right car with the history, which is very important, well restored and fully documented, people will pay the price for the vehicle for the right vehicle. Uh, I can only see cars right now going up as an investment, uh, as it has been for the past few years, and that's what I do with a lot of my clients. We buy the right cars. It does not have to be a Mercedes-Benz. It could be a Porsche. It could be a Mustang. It could be anything special uh, that people really fall in love with, and it's an investment. So you just have to always have the car inspected. Like you say, you do appraisal. So I'm sure you've seen a lot out there uh, called the right guy. And uh, just, you know, buy what you like and also buy it, right, by just asking the right questions around. Super. Well, Cindy, I want to thank you very much for coming on the radio show with us this evening. Um, I will talk a little bit more about Palm Beach Classics and the Palm Beach Concourse. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to meeting you this weekend, and we wish you all the best. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day, and see you this weekend. Very good. Thank you. I want to thank my special guest, Cindy Vallon from the Palm Beach Classics. And the Palm Beach Concourse. Bobby, what are we going to do? We're going to fire up the stereo? Yes. We're going to get a nest guest on the show. Uh, sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, I think what we're going to do, since we're on a Florida thing, there's a song that I always liked. It's kind of dear to my heart. And uh, actually, because my wife went to Florida State. But this is uh, from John Anderson, who happens to be from Apopka, Florida, as best I know. And uh, this is a song that he wrote, I think, somewhere around the late 80s, early 90s, and it's called Seminole Wind. I hope you enjoy it. You're tuning into Nostalgic Way Doing Cars. This is a very, very nice song.
If you love classic cars, then Donald loves you. Hi, it's Donald Osborne, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is well-known, probably one of the foremost collectors and car hunters in the United States. He's the owner of F40 Motorsports up in Portland, Connecticut, and but you guys all know him as Wayne Carini from Chasing Classy Cars. Wayne, how are you doing this evening? I'm great. I'm great, uh, although uh, Donald didn't uh, actually sing a... I, I think I could sing slightly better than Don. <laughs> you know, we caught him in Amelia Island in, at the uh, in the lunchroom there, and uh, or where we have our you know our luncheon things, and uh, so we asked him if he would do a liner, and he says, "Well, can I sing it?" And we said, "Absolutely." So I I, I got to tell you, Donald's a, a great friend of mine. Uh, we've been friends for over forty years, and and he sang at my daughter's wedding. Really? So uh, yeah, we my daughter and he are, are very close friends and uh and she asked him to come up for the wedding and he sang so it, it, we, we we've been great friends for a lot of years uh, but uh, every every day we give each other jabs <laughs> well now you're almost neighbors because he's uh i guess did he relocate to rhode island to take yeah. care of the audrain the museum or rhode island yeah rhode island yeah yeah just down the street so, t- t- tell us about the Audrain. Uh, uh, Jay's talked about it before. Obviously, Donald's talked about it. What's your take on it? Oh, the Audrain's really a fabulous museum, but it's also a, a, a motoring happening. You know, always something going on, whether it's uh, seminars at the museum, uh, videos from the museum with Donald and, and Jay, or, um, you know, displays at the museum. And, of course, the uh, Audrain Concord, which is fabulous. They they really go all out to, to make everybody feel welcome and to have some great cars and in and, uh, and a wonderful setting. I mean, what could be better at the, on the lawn of the Breakers Mansion, on, uh, you know, on the Atlantic Ocean? So it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, interesting. Let me ask you this. Now, it's funny we talk about concourse. Okay, so now Haggerty, they've suddenly become the big player. They now have the Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, concourse. They have uh, Amelia Island, and they acqu- acquired um, Concourse of America. And I guess today they just went public, or a couple of days ago, within the last couple of days, they went public on their on their uh, their new venture, I guess you would call it. And um, so, share your thoughts a little bit on where you see Concourse going in the future. Well, you know, Haggerty is is such a great company. Um, it's it. They have all the right things going for them. They have young people that are very enthusiastic working for the company. McKeel's uh, guidance is so good, and and the company has grown so much over the years. It was sort of like the next step that they they were looking to take uh, into saving driving and saving the Concorde world. So, um, you know, we'll we'll take for instance the Detroit Concorde. Um, that Concord was in, in serious trouble of, of just basically folding, and they, they came in and they saved the Concord. They saved all of our, uh, you know, what we do um, by going there every year and, and raising money for charities and, and having a great time uh, with each other and showing our cars. Uh, and, and similar to the, to the Greenwich Concord, Mary Warnerstrom had done a wonderful job when her father-in-law passed away, Bruce. Um, and, and that Concord was had his name all over it. Mary really did a wonderful job and and uh, putting all the right people together and, and bringing that to to the point where it was. But yet, um, Mary was really sort of uh, stretched out to the limit. And Haggerty came in and sort of uh, you know they bought the Concord. They're going to change it slightly, but you know we we often you know become used to change. And, and now with Amelia Island, the same thing with Bill Warner. Bill is is the Amelia Island Concord. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little bit tougher down there because uh, Bill, like Mary, um, was was really the head of the Concord uh, and, and still is. I mean, he's on the board. He's an advisor. He's doing so many great things. Bill's such a wonderful friend of mine. Um, he's the one guy I always tell everybody, if Bill Warner asked me to stand on my head in the middle of 95 traffic in Miami, I'd do it. <laughs> Later. You know, I believe in Bill. 
Um, and Bill and I actually went to Bonneville this year and ran my Bonneville car out there. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, at the first run, the transmission gave out on Bill, and, and we couldn't do any more runs. So we'll, we'll be back this year, this coming year. But Bill, Bill has done a wonderful job, raised so much money for so many great charities. Spina Bifida uh, is one of the best charities, of course. And and now um, Haggerty's going to sort of change things a little bit, maybe not terribly. Matt Ordendack is, is in charge of all the concours now, and Matt's a great friend and is, is so um, enthused about automobiles, especially classic cars and collector cars. And, and he's going to do a wonderful job and has been doing a wonderful job. So, you know, change is in the wind, and, and so get used to it. Um, but it's all going to be great. Well, since you mentioned Matt, because Matt was on our show last week, because um, they had this little concourse that they had down here, the uh, Gasparilla, which is kind of an up-and-coming concourse. And I will admit that uh, for the first time out of the gate, well, I'll say after this is the second year, but for the second time out of the gate, I think they did a very good job. The location was good. Um, presentation was good. It, it was rather intimate. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the, uh, remember the Arizona concourse they had at the Biltmore? Sure, yeah, that was it, a great show. Yeah, it was, it was similar, very similar to that. So they did a pretty good job. And, uh, you know, this, this past year has been pretty interesting because everybody's so excited about getting out and doing things and doing things with their cars is that, um, you know, I think that every event was really put on very well and, and, and people really enjoyed being there. Um, your, your show's now, and it's what, 15th year? 17th season. 17th season. Do you, whatever. (laughs) Do you, I, the one question I got to ask you, but I'll ask you this one right now. Throughout, because you've had some amazing cars, you found some amazing cars of, and, and you have owned some amazing cars and driven amazing cars. Is there a car out there that that's kind of eluded you that you're still looking for? Well, I mean, I, I think the best answer to that is that people say, "What's your favorite car?" And I always say, "The next one." The next one, I mean, okay. The next one is the most exciting car that I'll find because it's it's so exciting finding cars and and going through the process. I'm I'm in the middle of uh, trying to buy a Nash for a client of mine, and and that's exciting to me. Uh, you know, buying a '36 Nash. So uh, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as um, you know it's all, the thrill is the chase. The and thrill is and, yes, and, and that's my new magazine, by the way. I'll plug the magazine, please. Yes, it's called Wayne Carini's The Chase. Uh, I have a, a, a fantastic group of people that write for us and put our magazine together. Uh, Russ Rockneck, uh, who had uh, Mesh Magazine for a bunch of years here in the Northeast, he and I got together. With uh, with a group of uh, my friends, and, and we've we've gone on this mission of making our own magazine, and it's really fabulous. We're having such a great time doing it. Uh, Bill Warner is a writer. Uh, so many uh, great friends. Chuck Queener. Um, there, there's so many friends that are involved with the magazine, and it, it's doing really well. Uh, I must say, magazine sort of. Everybody says, "Oh, magazine business. That's the thing of the past." I don't think so. I love magazines, and, and that's the reason we've done this. What's your take on younger people coming into the hobby now? What's your because you travel a lot, you see a lot, you're at a lot of places. What's the kind of the feedback that you see on the uh, out there in the in the streets, so to speak? Well, I mean, younger people today have to be you have to understand them first. I mean, uh, when I was sixteen, um, I was at motor vehicle department. Like uh, when I was sixteen years old, it was officially it, it like six o'clock in the morning at the motor vehicle at 702 in the morning to get my driver's license uh and and kids today don't seem to want to do that as as readily as as we did in my generation so um and you have to accept that i mean there's social media uh you know everybody used to go to the mall now they just go on their phones and they communicate with each other so what you have to do is accept the cars that they like too so we all like Firebirds and Camaros and Mustangs and that stuff. Well, they like Hondas and Datsuns and and Kias and whatever it is. I mean, that, that's great as long as they like cars. Yes. Um, and I always say the analogy is that you, you you go to high school and every once in a while you sneak a beer and you go to college and you do shots and you finally grow up and drink fine wine. 
and and so you you get into the hobby, you get into um, doing what you like to do, and next thing you know, you're collecting Duesenbergs and Packards. Um, I never thought I would do that, but that's the stuff that turns me on today. So, you know, you, you, I guess you have to uh, educate yourself and, and sort of grow up. If you were to give us a walkthrough on some of the cars in your collection that you never get tired of, what would a few of those cars be? Uh, I, I think the the first car would be my '65 uh, Shelby GT350. Okay, I love to drive that car. It's got it's got all the rumbles and the sounds and the vibrations in the car. It feels like a a real race car for the street. I enjoy that car very much. Um, my grandson uh, now owns our '16 Pierce Arrow. Ooh. Um, when he was five years old, I asked him what's the what's the one thing that you want from pop-up today more than anything? And he said, I'd like to go uh, for a ride in the Pierce Arrow. And, and um, we have all sorts of cars and, and why the Pierce Arrow. So we went for the ride and he said to me, I says, I really love this car pop-up. This is my favorite car you own. And I said, well, Connor, it's your birthday today. Happy birthday. It's your car. And I gave him that car. And, and, and people so, said to me, what are you crazy? Giving us a, a five-year-old a Pierce Arrow. And, and my my reaction was, well, better I give it to him now when he wants it than t- trying to talk him into it when he's 20 years old. So now he's hooked. Uh, and, and so this year he came for his sixth birthday, and he said, Pop-Up, what do I get this year? <laughs> sort of have to tame it back a little bit. He actually got a, a vintage Bentley uh, battery-powered uh, blower Bentley. So, um, you know, this is you're just passing it on to the next generation. That's the most important thing in my life at this point. Give us your thoughts on electric vehicles. I, I, I will sit here and contain myself, so I will just listen. <laughs> well, you know, so electric vehicles have been around forever. I mean, it's true. Eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. We have a nineteen ten Waverly electric. We have a nineteen ten Baker electric. In our collection, um, I, I just think electric cars are cool, right? But um, I also look at it as a practical standpoint: is that how are we going to get the electricity to charge all these cars, um, and, and and who's going to go out and buy a brand new electric car? Most people in this world, I mean, we're we're lucky. I'm lucky, and, and a lot, most people are lucky to not have to worry about transportation. A lot of people. Um, they can't afford to even put a muffler on their car, tires on their car. How are they going to be able to afford to go out and buy an electric car? So there's so many things involved. How, where are we going to get rid of the batteries? Where where are all the precious metals going to come from to build the batteries? Where's the electricity going to come from um, to charge all these cars? I mean, they're talking about brownouts everywhere, for Christ's sake, and nobody's plugged their cars in yet. So there's... So many things. I th- I really think that hybrid is the answer. So we have uh, gas-powered cars that that uh, run the batteries, um, charge the batteries. Uh, the the new uh, um, um, electric uh, Ford pickup trucks, um, the Power Boost. It's called. I mean, wonderful truck. It's it's a V six Power Boost engine, and then it has battery uh, operation. It can get up to 60 miles to the gallon of gas if you if you combine the two. I mean, that's fabulous. So we have to think of all the practicality of, of having electric cars, and I think that the government and the politicians and, and everybody involved has not really thought pr- practically. They've just thought about creating um, an issue about who's going to have the best electric cars first, who's going to be the fastest and all these things, but what happens after all that? Well, here's the other thing, too, is, you know, there's hydrogen cars out there. There's natural gas-powered vehicles out there. There's, uh, um, and Porsche has got, and this has been around for a long time, since World War II, there's synthetic fuel out there. So you never hear anybody talking about that. All they do is force, ram, and cram the EV thing 
down our throats like it's the only thing on the planet. And now you look at the automobile manufacturers and say, well, by 2025, we're going to be 50% electric. By 3030, we're going to be 90% electric. By 3035, you won't even see an internal combustion engine. And I personally take a little issue with that. Robert, it, th- that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. It's not going to happen. I think uh, I, I think the synthetic fuel is is probably one of the best answers, um, and hydrogen is a great answer too. But but nobody's paid attention to that. Everybody's involved with solar panels, windmills, all these things that generate electricity, and and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But yet. Um, you've got to think of the masses of people. There's so many people in this country that rely on transportation on a daily basis. What happens if the if the if the sun doesn't come out for for a week? What happens if you're in a snow? Let's 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 just say say that you're in Colorado and an avalanche happens, and 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 you're driving your Tesla, and all of a sudden you're on a quarter charge, and all of a sudden the, the road can't open for like eight hours, and you're sitting there in your car. And you're about to freeze to death because the car won't operate. Who's going to save you? So, I mean, you know, gas, at least they can bring a gallon of gas and throw in it. There's no chargers that are going to happen like that. So there's so many practical issues that nobody thinks about in our government. There's so many people, I'm I'm sure I'm not the most brilliant person in the world, but there's other people that have many, many more better thoughts than me about this. And and uh, it just doesn't seem practical. I sold my Tesla. Um, I had it for six months. I had a used Tesla, and my wife and I would go to dinner, and I had battery anxiety. <laughs> I would look at that battery gauge, and i go, are we going to make it home? And then she caught on to it. She goes, do you think we'll make it? Turn around. Turn around. Go home. Let's just take my car to dinner. It just, it, I, I, I don't know. I guess... Uh, they're fun. They're super um, uh, exhilarating when you, when you put your foot down and this thing just takes off like a rocket ship. But if you think of practicality, it just doesn't make uh, doesn't fit. You know what I would like to do? I would like to have a roundtable discussion with you, Jay Corky, a couple other people because see, you and I are on the same team, on the same side. These other guys, our good friends, are a little bit more EV oriented and look at it from a completely different perspective and i'm like eh, i don't know you know so i'm i'm glad you said what you said because you're the first guy that's actually been on the show besides lauren fix of course and i know you know her um that are i'm not saying i'm anti-ev but i think i did an appraisal on a 1905 recreation of a thomas flyer and in the process my research took me to Ormond Beach, the birthplace of racing. And the cars that were competing back then were, as you mentioned, electric cars, steam-powered cars, gasoline-powered cars, diesel-powered cars. And everybody was excited about the automobile and transportation, and nobody forced anything, any form of propulsion, if you will, down anybody's throat. But today, it's like they're forcing the EV thing down our throat, and I just take issue with that when they're not looking at the big picture, that they're all alternatives, and the markets will pretty much, or should, be able to dictate that if we still have a free market. That's my thought. I love, you know, Robert, I love the picture of, of a, a guy plugged in with his Tesla on the side of the road, and and uh, there's a fence, uh, you know, blocking the diesel generator. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> or, or propel the, or char- charge the battery. So, you know, there's so many questions. How are the batteries going to be made? Who's going to, you know, how are we going to uh, uh, dispose of the batteries? Um, who can afford it? Uh, it's, there's so many questions that don't make sense. If there was one little niche that didn't make sense, you'd go, okay, well, we'll solve that. But how many questions are there? And and um, I just don't get it myself. But listen, I won't be around long enough to try to worry about that, I guess. So uh, we'll just uh, keep driving our uh, fossil fuel cars and enjoying them 
and trying to be uh, as, as conscious to the environment as possible. Uh, okay, I'll go along with that. That works. You only got a few years on me, so it's like we're going to be around for a while. Be optimistic, Wayne. <laughs> I'll be around for a while. Don't worry. I'm going to be at least 115. That's my goal. Okay, there you go. Good. I'm right behind you. Hey, listen, what are your thoughts on uh, the RM shakeup and a lot of those guys jumping ship and now starting a uh, another auction company? Do we need another auction company? Well, I mean... Um it, it, it's a very interesting situation. Um, you know, uh, Kenneth Ahn is, is, is just a brilliant person, um, and everyone else that's involved with it. Uh, Donnie Gould is a wonderful friend of mine. We've been friends for so many years. And, and Ian Kelleher. I mean, just there's so many people, really great people involved. And, and everybody's got their speculations, and I'm not about to speculate until I find out exactly what's going on. All I can say is, is that uh, I'm excited about it, uh, and, and I wish them very uh, well in their future um, and, and going into this marketplace. Uh, it's all changing. Uh, you know, online auctions have, have, have really – everybody thought an online auction five years ago. Are you nuts? You can't see or touch the car. You can't talk to anybody. But look at what Bring a Trailer has done. Yes. News has done. Uh, so many other online auctions have done. So um, you know, Bonhams has just bought an online auction company out of England. This is the future. Whether it'll be an online auction, I hope not 100%, because to me there's nothing more exciting than going to an auction. And, and uh, you know, I, I love Meekum. I love uh, Barrett-Jackson. I love them all because it's like going to the theater um, you know, you go to the theater and you see the same play every week. It's very boring. But if you go to the theater and you see a Meekum or a Barrett Jackson or a Bonhams or, or RM or Goody, whatever it may be, it's a different style. And, and, and buying and selling cars is exciting, but, but seeing how it's done is more exciting to me. Where do you feel the market's going to be in the next uh, three to five years? And I'm just saying three to five years is probably realistic, you know, uh, Outlook, I guess you'd say. I mean, I, I, some guys go 10, 20 years down the road, but let's just say realistic three to five years. I don't know. I, I think, Robert, you're really stretching here. You know, we we at F40 have had our best year ever. Um, you know, COVID, we panicked a little bit at the beginning. You know, the phone didn't ring but once a day, and suddenly it became June and July, and we started selling cars like crazy. Um, it has it has slowed down slightly, but not a hundred percent. We've sold. We used to sell six to eight cars a month. We're selling ten cars a week. Jeez, uh, there for a while. So people people are cooped up in their homes. An automobile was their way of of getting out and reaching out and and being able to have some freedom. Um, and and people loved it. I mean, they they trapped their cars in their garages for years, and suddenly they're home. And they said, well. Let's get this car out and get it running. So my service department was super busy, and uh, it's been a very exciting time in the automobile world. Um, and and it's 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 strange, but we we've, we've gotten through it. An observation I've made on Bring a Trailer, and I'm there every morning, sometimes during the day, and then in the evening. You know, it's just like you know how these little kids today, you know, they kind of play around with their little computers all day long with their little phones. Uh, I, I do that with Bring a Trailer. But here's the thing I've noticed on Bring a Trailer, and, and I want you to comment on this. A lot of the cars are bringing pretty good money. But the thing that strikes out more than anything else, or stands out more than anything else, is how these low, low mileage cars break the bank. The 86911 that sold with 19,000 miles, that sold for 140,000. The Grand National that was at, uh, with, with less than 1,000 miles, that was at 200 and Fourteen or 215,000. Um, some of the Mercedes-Benzes that I saw, the Pagodas that were, um, you know, like 30,000-mile uh, or 28,000-mile cars bringing, you know, $150,000 to $180,000. I mean, what's your thought on that? Is that am, – am, am, I, am I thinking right here? Is this what's going on? Well, so, so for instance, you collect coins. Right. And, and, and you have a coin that's sort of worn out, and, and it's been through the coin machine a million times, or you have a pristine coin – that no one's ever touched in their lives, still in the in the little casing, and and which is worth more? I mean, so it, it all comes down to um, the matter of, of who, how many people have owned it. You see some cars, 
and, and they only have, uh, let's say, 2,500 miles, but, but they've been owned by 13 people. Well, that's a turnoff to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love low-mileage cars myself. I, I believe in them. Um, I have right now three Mustangs, uh, uh, GT350Rs and a GT500 with under 10 miles on them, and that's my grandson's education fund. I put them up on the lift. And, and I believe that when piston high-performance cars sort of dwindle away, that those are going to be worth gold. So uh, I may be a, a jerk about it, but even, even if they're, they don't, they're worth nothing, I still enjoy the cars. Well, like this Porsche that they paid 140000 for, and, and, and an 86 911 last year for the 915 gearbox, first year for the better air. But not an eighty, but not a G fifty car. That's a spectacular Porsche. It's probably the one that most Porsche guys, myself included, would want to own. But at nineteen thousand miles, as soon as I start driving that car, it's cool to have a low mileage car. But now that hundred forty thousand dollar car is no longer worth one hundred forty thousand. It's worth fifty or sixty. Yeah, but but Robert, there's so many collectors out there. For instance, there's a there's a collector that just sold his company that we sold some cars to. That's his that's his his thing is low mileage cars. Right. He's got a collection. He puts them in there. He loves them. He drives them very little. Uh, we always say if you drive the car 200 miles a year, how many how many years are you going to be alive to have it uh, collect a lot of miles over the years? Um, and, and as long as you have, you know, 20 cars. <laughs> to, uh, I mean, to amortize the mileage. I mean, uh, I'll give you an example. A CTSB uh, Cadillac station wagon broke the bank today. I'm bringing a trailer. did over $100,000. Oh. had 7,000 miles on it. Um, uh, that's good for me because I have a 2014 with 9,000 miles on it. So um, makes me feel good. I'm, will I sell it tomorrow? Probably not. I, I'll hold that for a while. And I may be, you know, the timing is all right because this could go away tomorrow. Uh, people feeling, well, if I have the lowest mileage example, it's a big deal. Sometimes it, it's going to turn around and say, it's really not that, that big of a deal. And all that will go south. So for right now, low mileage, uh, low production cars, and, and people say, what do I buy for the future? That's what I always tell them. Low production, low mileage cars, you'll never get hurt. Wow. All right, on that note, Wayne, we're up against the clock. If you want to give a shout-out one more time, how people can find out about you and your TV show and the book, go for it. Yeah, so uh, WayneCarini.tv. Um, you can go to our uh, Facebook site. You can go at our our internet site as, as well as the Instagram, um, Chasing Classic Cars uh, Facebook, is, as well as F40.com. Uh, you'll see our inventory. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Sydney and wish him uh, all the best on his uh, Concord down in Palm Beach this weekend. I think it's going to be fabulous. He's a, he's a really great guy and, and works so hard to put this uh, Concord on. I wish him all the best this weekend. And I hope to see all of our, our fans uh, at the next car show. I'll be in Stewart, Florida on, I think it's February 4th or 5th for um, Keys 37. That's uh, my wax company down in Florida. We'll be there for our grand opening. My partners, uh, Bob McKee and Nick. Um, so lots of things going on. I'll be at Barrett-Jackson. I'll be at uh, Meekum and Kissimmee, uh, Boca, and Emilio. Wow. Busy, busy schedule. Wayne, take care. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic, and uh, we'll see you at some of those events. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. See you. Bye. I want to thank my special guest, Wayne Carini. Definitely check out the man who leads chasing classic cars. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars, so touch that dial. You can find us here every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. Don't forget to tell your friends. Nostalgia Radio and Cars. I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. We'll talk about some of this stuff next week, and I will be at Palm Beach this weekend. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.
WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.